This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winner is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and this is Take the Black. And we're back from a long hiatus to talk about all your Game of Thrones Season 8 filming news. Uh, before we start, Dan, what's going on in, in the world of non-spoilers? I know that you guys talked about on Take the Black Live, our other show that you host. Um, that Good plug. I know, I know. I thought I would plug that in. The uh, Game of Thrones live concert experience is, is uh, preparing to kick off, or is it already kicked off? Oh, no. The Game of Thrones, uh, by the way, I'm Dan Selke, and I am uh, the editor of WinterIsComing.net. You should go there. And, uh, yeah, the Game of Thrones live concert experience won't uh, start for quite a while, I think September. Um, the first leg's in Europe, second leg's in North America. It's a while off, but uh, we just gave away a pair of tickets uh, to a very lucky uh, fan on Wick Live, so that was a lot of fun. And when it happens, everyone should go. Yeah, did uh, how quickly did they email you to get that answer in? Because I know people were ready to mm-hmm. uh, send that in. How do you mean? I know when you asked the question, wasn't it Maester Lewin was the answer, right? Yes. And Oh, yeah. So occasionally on uh, Take the Black Live, which we do Wednesdays on Facebook, the quick Facebook page at 4 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, we'll have giveaways. We'll, like, ask a trivia question. You email us in. Then we get a prize. We just give away two, two tickets to the Game of Life Concert Experience. The question was, I tried to make it easy. It was like, uh, what was the maester who worked at Winterfell for the first two seasons of the show? Maester Lewin. I got like 25 responses. Nice. Like, right on top of each other, I'm sure. Like, right at the one of the other. I mean, who wouldn't want that prize? It's a great prize. That was a really cool prize. Um, so, Ooh, If I can plug, this next show in a week from now, we're going to be giving away, like, this awesome merchandise from fun.com like a hound's head helmet oh my god um, you guys got the helmet oh i'm so it's jealous bitchin', like a stark shield made of steel really cool stuff so i'm looking forward to that 
yeah, if you guys want to see what that stuff look like looks like, go check out winnerscoming.net. There is an entire article about all those grand prizes. Um, let's talk about uh, Winterfell really quick. Since you did mention the Stark Shield, Dan, since uh, I've already got the floor to you, uh, a lot of things have been happening at the Money Glass set in Northern Ireland, specifically with uh, fires. Why don't you uh, take us into what's going on there? You're right, David. Yeah. Um, season 8, Game of Thrones still filming a ton of activity at the Money Glass set in uh, Northern Ireland. I mean, we haven't done this for a long time, so we have a lot to catch up on. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. Huge spoilers. The production burned down Winterfell. <laughs> it Torched lit Winter- it. Winterfell set on fire. It was really pretty, really cool. Just lit it the gosh darn feck up and uh, lit up the night. Very impressive. Obviously, huge Gee to Willikers, see. Dan, don't, I don't want to get the FCC to come Language. down on us. I forget. Are, are we allowed to curse on this particular podcast? We, we are. We are. This one you can, okay. you can curse. This isn't Take the Black Live. I figure we could. Okay. Well, they just they just lit, they lit the bejesus out of it. <laughs> and <laughs> But no, well, that's that, cute. It, it's a huge iconic set being lit on fire. Um, and obviously it portends huge things for what happens in Season 8. I mean, at some point, um, whether by Dragonfire, Wildfire, Divine Intervention, Lightning Strikes, Winterfell will go up in flame in Season 8, which is obviously a big, momentous thing. Now, we've seen uh, lots of uh, people driving by, taking videos and photos of the nighttime shoot. And this kind of lines up with a certain director who does long, extensive battle uh, scenes for uh, Game of Thrones, and that's uh, Sapo. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure how to butcher his last name. Miguel Sapo-Nick? Miguel Sapochnik. Sapochnik. There you go. See? I knew I'd butcher it. Anyway, he's the guy who does Battle of the Bastards. He did Battle of the Bastards, Hard Home, uh, The Winds of Winter, and I believe um, uh, Battle of Blackwater. Did he do that one? Nope. He no, did a uh, hard home. He did Battle of the Bastards, wins a winner, and okay. that's what he did. I was completely wrong on and the gift season, the season two big battle. Um, so this extended nighttime shoot lines up perfectly with uh, Miguel uh, Sapochnik, and um, I'm kind of excited to see if he's the one that takes over this. If that's the case, do we know which episodes he's directing? We do. He's doing three and five, if memory serves. And we know so that Benioff and Weiss are things. Then Benioff and Weiss are doing six, right? So yes, the finale. The finale. So if if this is going to happen in episode five, I can't imagine if they're going to burn down Winterfell for the final season of Game of Thrones that they would do it in one episode, unless. They do it uh, Watchers on the Wall style, where we stay there the entire time. Um, that would be kind of, I don't know. What do you think? That's silly. Of course they could. These would be long episodes. Um, it'll just it'll be a battle. I mean, they had a battle at Hardhome. They had a battle at the Loop Train battle in the Close of the War. I'm sure it'll be a big set piece. There'll be an army. There'll be dragons. There'll be White Walkers. I don't know what they'll be, but it'll end with... I mean, can't you just see it? Can't you see, like, an end of an episode as a... They're fleeing from Winterfell, and it's burning in the background, and that kind of cuts to the credits. That would be amazing. In fact, I would want that episode to cut to silent credits. No music, just cut. 
That would be amazing. I want the cut to It's Raining Men. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will be. Um, Corey Phone, as our, uh, welcome back, by the way, Corey Phone. As our, um, our, uh, unsullied, uh, host, what do you think, if I told you that, uh, Winterfell was gonna burn in season eight, what's your immediate response? How's it gonna happen? Uh, <clears throat> it'll happen. Like as the army of the North, the Wild Walker army, sorry, is coming down and they're trying to hold them there for as long as possible. And they it's probably overran with, in fact, I, I can imagine being overran with walkers and stuff and the Night King and trying to lure the, um, the White Walkers and the Night King or whatever into Winterfell where the Weirwood tree is, where Bran might be. But then it's actually filled with like wildfire or something, and they try to blow it up or or something just to try to slow them down. I don't know. I, like I can see I can see them sacrificing Winterfell, like to really emphasize just how you know important the overall battle against the North is. But that's a bold statement, Cotton. Yeah, I mean, well, it, I mean, obviously it could just be you know free ice dragon fire. Or whatever, or, but do we? Yeah, do we, really we because we didn't see uh, Viserion use it except for once. Do we even know if it's blue or orange fire that when it, after it's been uh, caught onto things? We don't even know that, do we, Dan? It's just blue for all we know. <laughs> we don't know a lot. No one knows how zombie dragons operate. They get to make up those rules. It's fun being a fantasy author sometimes. Uh, that would be amazing. Um, Corey Smith, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, if, I, I like Corey Thone's idea of kind of luring the White Walkers into Winterfell. At this point, do you see the, the the Army of the Living having any chance whatsoever against the Army of the Dead unless they do create some kind of trap where they blow everybody up? I don't know. I mean, I think that we kind of saw like through Season 7 – you know, they were laying up supplies and they kept talking about how Winterfell is the best place for everybody to go, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, I mean, my idea is, you know, I think we pick up season eight and shit is going bad really fast. And so, you know, the north, we saw them all walking through the wall. They got the giants. They got the dragon. So I'm thinking shit's going to be going downhill real quick. And they kind of go to the Winterfell like the Alamo and try and do like a last stand type thing. Um, so whether they have some sort of trap laid up, I don't know. Um, it didn't seem like they were into, you know, doing something like that. It just seemed like they thought that's the best place to, to kind of weather the storm, so to speak. So I don't know. I just, I think it's, and, and we'll touch on this when we get to King's landing, but I think it's important to point out that they're building these massive sets for the first time. Um, in the, in the series. So like Winterfell has always been for the most part, just that courtyard. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they built that, you know, the kind of walkway where like John and Sansa had the conversation. And last season we saw Sansa and Arya, um, you know, it wasn't really a practical set. It was mostly created through CGI. So, um, you know, whatever they're doing, the fact that they're, they're building these massive sets implies that they're going to have, actors running around on these sets doing all kinds of stunt work having some sort of massive battle and it's not going to just be you know created through cgi like in years past so i think that's a big difference 
from what we've seen, you know, all the other seasons. I wonder if uh, Corey Thelma's favorite scene from Winterfell, where Theon and Sansa, Thelma and Louise off the wall, was uh, CGI, <laughs> or if that was in a controlled environment. I, I, they definitely did their own stunts there and jumped off a 30-foot <laughs> wall. Um, first off, just real quick, shout out to our resident Texan. He already mentioned the Alamo. He couldn't even make it three minutes without mentioning Alamo. Happy Are Happy Alamo Day. Me? Happy Alamo Day, Corey. I know Texas Independence Day was last week. Yeah, today. Two was- days ago, he contacted me complaining about barbecue. Just gonna put that out there. Well, I don't know <laughs> if you guys these horseshit that. people are talking about Brooklyn barbecue taking over the world. Anyways, okay, just real quick about that. There is that picture was specifically chosen to trigger us, Corey. That was. There, I, I have, I've seen videos. I follow like First We Feast on YouTube. I've seen videos of good barbecue in New York City. That looked like not only did they have the grayest, blandest brisket on the, they even <laughs> chose gray butcher paper just to emphasize how bleak it was. It, it, it almost looked like it was photoshopped. I couldn't believe that was clearly chosen to trigger us fat boys from the South. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I like, I think Corey had a good point about building the sets because you know it reminds me of um you could just tell on shows whenever they've built a, a much bigger set like especially with hbo shows and period pieces you can just it feels bigger and grander uh-huh. uh whenever the room is actually bigger shocking i know instead of just cgi <laughs> so i'm excited to see these places that they have built uh do we know for sure that they actually are going to light winterfell on fire for the show, or were they just done filming? We um, know for sure that. Oh, I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. No, go. Dan, what Dan was saying, we know for sure that there is fire, and that they were still filming after the fires right. were shown. In fact, that leads me to the next point. Um, we've seen photos of corpses littering the battlefield around Winterfell, uh, obviously fake corpses. There really aren't any dead people out there. I don't, I don't think so. Um, we've seen, um, man sized corpses, horse sized corpses. Um, so large adult son all over the, (laughs) I was hoping honestly for like a dead mammoth or two, maybe a polar bear, but, um, I guess that all could be added in the CGI later. But, uh, We've seen corpses littering the battlefield around Winterfell, and there was a video taken, oh, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, after the fire, after the fire videos, uh, where people were listening to the sets, and you could hear an, um, a group of men chanting, like, um, and, and yeah, before. It was before, okay, and what I likened yeah. it to was, uh, Corey, if you remember, uh, both Corey's, if you remember the Battle of Bastards when, uh, Bolton army surrounded Jon Snow's Wilding army and they had the spears and the shields and they were like, they were, they would chant and they'd move in, chant, move in. That's what it sounded like. So, just, uh, just stacking bodies, stacking bodies, man. So either it, it, I came to the conclusion of this. A, um, there's another army. Attacking Winterfell because what what we do know about whites is they don't chant in unison, uh, they, they they scream and wheeze and cough and gurgle, and uh, White Walkers don't chant. So either a there's an army attacking Winterfell's walls and they're trying to batter down the uh, gates, or b it's uh, an 
a army from Winterfell pushing back the army of the dead. Um, Dan and I talked about this a little bit. It may, you know, we, there is the Golden Company coming from, uh, across the Narrow Sea. You're on Greyjoy's bringing them. So, I'm not sure if, um, the Golden Company is prepared to lay siege to a castle in the middle of the winter. And this is like the worst winter they've seen. I'm not sure if that's viable. Although, when has that ever made a difference on the show? But um, there's definitely some kind of military-type chanting going on. Corey Smith, what do you make of that? I mean, the Golden Company is a good idea because they, they definitely make a big point of them and the books being kind of hyper-disciplined for for a mercenary company. They're They're supposed to be, excuse the pun, but the gold standard of, of mercenary companies, all now, the, the other guys. The companies, the guys who, uh, when their leader dies, they boil his skull down and, and, and coat it in gold, right? Correct, yeah. and they're and they're also basically they're mainly composed of you know Westerosi refugees or exiles or whatever you want to call sons, right? And so you know they have some connection to the continent, but I, yeah, I, I think I'm with you as far as it's a, it's a little much to assume that. Somehow they get across the narrow sea, then get all the way up to Winterfell, even by Game of Thrones standards. So I, I, I'm I'm guessing it's either you know some sort of small relief force from the Night's Watch, or come down from the Wall because I, I don't I don't know I I don't see the the Night King really even caring much about the Night's Watch now that he's through the Wall. So. I could see them come down and kind of maybe catch them and you know catch them from the outside, or you know maybe it's just John's forces storming their way out of Winterfell. You know maybe they just do some sort of you know they realize they're all screwed, so they're just going to go out and meet you know the Night King best they can. So um, and then of course you know or maybe it's the Unsullied finally arriving. Um, but did the Unsullied it, talk when they fly? I thought they were really quiet. I think we've seen them do some chants. I mean, we saw they weren't chanting, but they kind of all did the spear thing in unison mm-hmm. when they first hooked up with, with Danny. So I, I don't know. I don't think it'd be, I don't think it'd be like super weird if all of a sudden they're chanting or something. Um, and I mean that, you know, they talked about the end of last season, how Danny was going to go straight there and the unsullied were going to march up. Uh, the King's Road or whatever. So, um, you know, maybe it's just the Unsullied arriving at, at Winterfell because we know they arrive at some point because um, we had that spoiler of all the Unsullied using, um, I guess someone snapped a picture of them with dragon glass spears. Right, right? and we and, uh, just recently we saw a picture of uh, Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow, Amelia Clark, who plays Daenerys Targaryen, Jacob Anderson, who plays Grey Worm, and uh, Peter Dinklage, who plays Tyrion, with uh, Benioff and Weiss at a pub in Belfast, so maybe they're all out celebrating uh, filming there. But uh, you bring up a good point about the Night's Watch. There is a massive green screen being built uh at uh, I'm gonna butcher this name again, Mag Magermorn 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 Quarry. 
no one's going to help you. Just sound it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, None- your guess is as good uh, as ours. Uh, so uh, take us through Northern that. Ireland. Take us through that, Corey Smith, since you already brought us there. So it's on the Magernhorn Quarry, uh, which is the same place where they've always filmed Castle Black. Um, so it's this massive green screen, um, best we can estimate. It's the biggest one they've ever built. Um, it's easily several stories tall. It's not something that like one or two guys are going to act against. It's, it looks to be a couple stories tall, several, several hundred yards long. Um, and they have it on the same set as, as where they filmed Castle Black. So they're obviously going to be filming some sort of massive, seen there um we don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean it's connected to castle black it just happens to be kind of a big outdoor area where they could you know they have the space to actually erect the this big screen so i mean it could be anything from another section of the wall coming down to you know the destruction of winterfell or even um you know the destruction of the red keep which was which was my best guess um is, you know, because they're going to need it for something really large and really tall, and they're going to need for, you know, so that would be my guess. We, it could also just be something as simple as a as a battle, um, that they have dragons and giants, and they need something that, you Not know, just a act- battle. It's got to be a, a massively fucking epic battle. Well, right. Every battle, I think, this season's probably going to be that. So, But they need it to be that large because, you know, if it was a battle scene, we're guessing, you know, dragons are flying up and around the, in the air, and they still want to have, uh, you know, actors on the ground. So that my best guess still remains the destruction of, of King's Landing or, or the Red Keep, and that might play into, you know, what we'll talk about here in a minute, too. But that was my best guess, but, you know... With the way things are going, it looks like a lot of shit's going to be hitting the fan. So well, it could really be anything. Dan, I look at that green screen, and I, then I look at the uh, the King's Landing set being built at Titanic Studios, and um, I see like the towers, and the, there's been we speculated about the discoloration of the stone around the towers that it could <laughs> look like uh, dragon fire torching the stone. Uh, it looks like there's a breach possibly being. Um, built into the set from like and, and and we've we've speculated that could be dragons attacking the red keep um you know maybe danny gets pissed off when she finds out that cersei has gone back on her deal and she sends her dragons to the red keep to do some damage or it could be the night king immediately attacking king's landing uh if if you're the night king and you're looking to instantly bolster your ranks why not attack the most densely populated area, uh, and that would be King's Landing? What's your take on the green screen? I love it. I mean, you know, we're talking about what it could be. I mean, all, all we know for sure is that obviously they didn't need a giant green screen to make Battle of the Bastards. They didn't need a giant green screen to do the Battle of Castle Black. They haven't needed a giant green screen several stories high to the level that it hasn't been built before for anything else they've ever done before. So whatever they're making, it's on a scale that they haven't needed before. Although, of note, it is still outside. So whatever they're doing, they might still need a background, right. and they might still... It might, like, the scene they're contemplating might be so big, they have to have enough space for, like, horses and people to get out of. But, um... Maybe it's just a battalion of those undead giants just fucking up 
Castle Black. <laughs> that's that's what's interesting to me. That's what's exciting about it. That it's something that is so ambitious they could never they never needed something this big to do it before. So what I'm hoping is that they surprise me. I don't know if it's the Red Keep. I don't know if it's Giant Battle. I don't know what it is. But I'm hoping that it surprises and shocks me and make me makes me go wow. Yeah, that's what we're looking for in season eight is uh, jaw dropping uh, experiences. Corey Thone, if you're the Night King, and let's let's say you know pretty much your personality is the Night King anyway. So let's say you're the Night King, and um, you bust through the wall at its farthest uh, point at Eastwatch. Are you turning back towards Castle Black just because? Fuck those guys in particular, or um, you headed to Winterfell, King's Landing. Where's your first? Uh, where's your first re- real battle when you get into the Seven Kingdoms? Well, the the question that I have really about that is, what is the Night King's actual motivation? Because we don't know what that is yet. You know, we've we know that he is marching south with an army, but why? Like, because nobody will accept kill? his friend friend request on Facebook. <laughs> is it is it just because he that is like what he does? Like I just I he, if he just if all he does is kill, then yeah, he might go toward Castle Black uh, if he has his eyes on a grander prize. That there's something you know m- mythic about what he's doing, mm. you know, tied in with Bran or something, then. Then no, but then also there's the con- there's the idea that he actually is a thing that has some sort of emotion, feeling, even if it's just rage or something. He might have a vendetta against Castle Black that he wants to go take out on them, depending on who the Night King actually was, or you know, or uh, what the, the Night Watch has done to his. You know, brothers or whatever, as a as a zombie. I mean, there's really that's the question to me. It's like if if he's a mindless move or not really mindless. He's obviously not mindless, but if he's you know just I'm going to go kill everyone south of here, he probably will go there, uh-huh. or he might not necessarily. He's already south. There's more people south of Castle Black to kill than at Castle Black. So I guess the whole thing is just killing, then he'll probably just keep going, I guess. But I think he'll have, if he goes to Castle Black, I think he'll have motives outside of just death and right. destruction of humanity. So. And one thing you have to remember is... I always thought that, just really quick. I, I, I agree with you, Corey, that you know, the Night's Watch was set up to repel the White Walkers. So it makes sense to me that the head of the White Walkers, even if he wasn't around for when the ball went up, would have like a uh, an age old hatred for the Night's Watch in general and want to wipe that out first just because they hate him so much. And that's that's something I think they're going to have to get into on the show is, is his motivations. At some point, they're going to have to show why the Night King is doing this. What about his creation or whatever? Like if they, I mean, I, I would think they would. Uh, then again, it it could be pretty cool to just never address it. <laughs> just, Sometimes the yeah. mystery is more important than actually telling the story, but I do but like, I, I do I like, I don't think that'll happen with game of Thrones, at least not in the, I, I think the show might skirt the issue more because of limited time, but I bet the books don't. Well, <laughs> so. we saw, we, we starting to see flashbacks. Like we saw flashbacks in season six more than ever before. And season seven was full of flashbacks. Um, it would be really cool. Obviously, this is just pure speculation. 
if we were to see um, the guy, Vladimir, I forget his last name, who plays the Night King. Putin. <laughs> Putin. Who, um, <laughs> who, 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 before he got the obsidian shoved into his chest, he was the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. That would be really cool to see that that's the reason he hates the Night's Watch so much is he was once one one of their ranks. I mean, that's uh, – Smith, isn't that one of the big stories is that he was actually the, – the last hero or one of the, the Night King was actually the Lord Commander who was corrupted by uh, a female other, and he had everybody worship him, and then he was chased off by a Stark and a Wildling. Um, he was actually a Stark himself. Like just, these all kinds of stories that surround the, the the lore and the mystery of the Night King, right? Yeah, in the in the books, the the Night King with an S. Um, yeah, he was a Lord Commander of the Night's Watch who fell in love with a White Walker, a female White Walker, um, and then ran off. And yeah, he had to be put down by, if I remember correct, a king. A king beyond the wall and one of the Starks. They joined up to to. Well, they cha- they chased him away. They didn't they didn't kill him. They chased him away. Right, right. But I think the show is kind of streamlined that or retconned it or whatever you want to call it because. Yeah. Um, and and the the other thing would be is the Night's Watch was was formed after the White Walkers were already repelled because the the theory is the White Walkers. Basically, were created by the children, and they lost control, and they had to drive them north and put up the wall to contain them, and then that's when the Night's Watch was founded. Ah, okay. Well. So, I I don't know that it's necessarily him. I mean, but who knows how that plays into? Yeah, I mean, maybe he wants to wipe out the Night's Watch completely. He's been fighting them forever. I mean, there's plenty of reasons for him to go to castle black and take everybody out before he goes south and he doesn't even need to i mean he could send i mean there's like what a hundred people at castle black if that it's not like he has that. To, <laughs> right i mean it's not like he has to bring you know his whole army he could send a couple hundred whites there and you know make pretty quick work of it so we could get a you know a both it could he could send a little bit there and concentrate on winterfell and Car hold and all the other castles. I would love you know, to see the internet's reaction to a uh, to an undead uh, Ed Tollet walking through like a destroyed castle black. I uh, and and Dan, I know you would love it just because you're an agent of chaos. Uh, but I would love it because the internet would melt to see undead Ed. And that's that's a great name, by the way. If he does become a white, he is from now on called Undead Ed. But um, <laughs> I I think the internet would melt to see him because he's a fan favorite, really. Ever since, I mean, the book book fans have always loved him because of his uh, his his the way he talks and his attitude in the books. But in the show, he's uh, especially since uh, I guess maybe season two, whenever he was making fun of Grin and Sam all the time, he really became a became a fan favorite, and of course. Him and John becoming really good friends and blah blah blah. I think people would be would lose their shit if he if he became undead Ed. But um, let's let's move away from the green screen and let's since we were talking about it earlier, let's talk about King's Landing. And um, 
a couple of things are, well, not a couple of things, many things are going on at King's Landing. First of all, um, the body double for Lena Headey, who plays Cersei Lannister, uh, has been brought back to Game of Thrones. Now, she was, if you remember correctly, uh, the, the infamous walk of shame where Cersei had, the season five finale, where Cersei had to walk from the Sept of Baelor to the Red Keep, uh, naked as people threw, uh, all kinds of god awful things at her. Um, she had a body double play for the nude parts. It was a body double and production CGI'd Heedy's head onto, um, the body double's face. And if you Rebecca watch. Rebecca Van Cleve is her name. Just yeah. To yes. Rebecca Van Cleve. And if you watch that scene o- over, it's, you can tell there's a subtle hint of being CGI. It's kind of weird looking at, in some points, but it was a really well done scene. It was uh, superbly acted, but, um, she's back. The body double for Lena Headey is back, which raises all kinds of questions. And Corey Thelen, I'm going to go to you first. Um, since we've already seen the walk of shame with a nude, nude Cersei, and, and I'm, I'm assuming it's because Lena Headey has some kind of, of provision in her contract where she won't be, she doesn't play nude scenes, um, and that's fine. But where do you see a nude Cersei coming into season in season eight? Uh, well, with Jamie leaving, I think she'll be. She knows the politics of the of Westeros. Like queens are, like they're accepted, but they're not exactly like. I don't know how to say it without being a dick. They're accepted, <laughs> but like there needs to be a king. Right, right, right. Like even I mean, and I know people will go, well, what about the Queen of Thorns or whatever? And talk about um, Olena, but her son was the figurehead, like publicly, mm-hmm. like he was out. The he was the one out in front of people singing his dumbass songs and stuff, leading the charge, all that. I like, enjoyed those be, songs. No, they're fine, but like he, <laughs> like the, he, you know, he was a happy-go-lucky guy. But there's there has to be like a dude. Right, so I don't know if it's going to be a reward for Euron. I don't know if it's going to be her uh, trying to seduce or woo or whatever, like a another member of a powerful house to to join up with them or something. I really, I mean, I I think it will be politically motivated boobage, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be for or what. Obviously, I haven't read. I don't know if you guys know secretly and are like, hey, we know the spoilers and Corey doesn't. But like, I, <laughs> I don't think it, I don't know who it's for. But I think it'll be politically motivated. So that's that's my listen, opinion. man. This season, nobody really knows anything. That's what's kind of fun. We can guess. Which is nice. We want to. Yeah, they did yeah, a good join- job this year of uh, keeping things under under a lid. Join the party, guys. It's super fun to watch the show and not know everything that's going to happen right when it happens. <laughs> I'm sure it will all leak out like a month before it comes out. Um, Dan, how many days was she there for? Three? Was it three? Uh, at least three, maybe a couple more. Um, yeah, there for three days. It's 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 interesting. Um, and you're right. Like a sex scene seems like the most logical explanation. By the way. You can have a queen without a king. Mary, Queen Elizabeth I, ruled England for over 40 <laughs> years, and she ain't have no man by her side. I'm just saying. I, 
I was explicitly talking about Westeros. Uh, <laughs> Westeros be based on England. Uh, yeah, but it ain't England. Like it they got like they like I mean I know I understand like we especially the last these later seasons the female characters in this show have uh risen to I mean not just not that the show always didn't have strong female characters but these last few seasons they've been equally strong or terrifying or whatever in their power but also very multi-dimensional and vulnerable and some of the best written characters for women on tv not just queens i mean you know um except for every, sansa uh, am i right <laughs> i'm kidding that was a, that was a really terrible I, she's joke. become a much better character yeah for sure i agree but uh I mean, her like, truly, if you I, I know that we shit on Sansa a lot and a lot of it's justified. And I know we're getting away from the question. But if you go back and look at what Sansa did between seasons like one and three and then where she went from three to six, it's like, oh, wow, they actually decided to like write shit for her to do. So <laughs> and think so. I mean, like it's my my point, Dan. I, I mean, I think you were just kind of messy with me. Was it? Yeah, like that in West. Very eloquent. Yeah. Right. the point. It, in Westeros, okay, Smith, go get another whiskey. In Westeros, <laughs> they're gonna need another, and it could be just them joining two powerful houses, but they're gonna need uh, a dude figurehead as well. I think so. I mean, that's, I just say that Cersei's no Queen Elizabeth. Um, no, no, not quite as smart or as sane. I mean, and Cersei made promises to you, Ron. I mean, they've underlined that. I mean, in season seven, a couple of times, he's like, can I sleep with you? Can I sleep with you? And she's like, later, later, later. You know, I, I have to think they wouldn't put that in if it was going to pay off later down the line. But the interesting thing and the conspiracy Latin thing about this, and we're going so deep down the dorky conspiracy rabbit hole, but if you can't do it in the Game of Thrones podcast, where, where, where can you? Amen. Um, is the actress, Van Cleef, an Instagram post where she posts pictures of herself in a tent outdoors, has something to the effect of... Here I am after a long day of work, um, you know, out in this snowy land in this tent, working with great actors, how fun. And just, so that said to me, okay, so they brought a body double back, so nude scene for Cersei, but apparently she's outside in the snow, so are they going to have Cersei naked making snow angels? I doubt it, but that's um, a possibility. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would watch that, honestly, but... uh you know, also, three days. If she was there for three days, that's more than one interior sex scene with you, Ron. True, and she did mention uh, actors in the plural sense. Uh, could be just a matter of speaking, but it really it, could be. I want to emphasize that it totally could be. It totally, obviously, but you know, we're probably reading in way too much into this. But that's wait, what, we what? Do. us on this podcast reading too much into something? Well, our next topic is uh, how their costumes uh, play into their uh, into how they think. So, and I was okay, gonna guys, go. I'm going to go bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, she did say working with uh, all these great actors, and um, uh, you, you, there's all kinds of thought process going into this. If the Night King does go to King's Landing first, um. And destroys it, and Cersei gets out. She's got to go on the lamb, right? So maybe there's a point where she's out heading towards Winterfell, and you know, whatever makes 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 the sex with uh, Euron on the way. I don't know, but there's got to be something going on with the body double. Uh, probably a sex scene with. Uh, you're right. 
she teased Euron Greyjoy quite a bit in the se- in last season, and now that he's delivering her the Golden Company, um, obviously he'll expect she, something. He he's going to he expect something, and and ja- Jamie's not there anymore. She's you know she can't say, "Well, I got a man," because she doesn't have a man anymore. So, uh, what about what about if the? I mean, keeping with your thought that if King's Landing falls and she's on the lamb if she's still pregnant what about having the baby kind of oh. on the run and I mean, that, that would be a reason could for the be body a double. horrifying birthing scene i mean to me that makes that makes more more sense than if she is on the run stopping to get it on with Euron. you know what i mean like i i, I just think if she is still pregnant and you know we might not be talking about a healthy baby delivery. It, it could be some sort of stress-induced miscarriage or something, but it just seems like maybe some sort of birthing scene on the you know on the run might make more sense. Because the other thing is, you know, we've seen Lena Headey do sex scenes on the show before, sans nudity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that. You know, just because they brought the the body double to me, kind of screams more that they're gonna do something other than right. sex. You know, because sex. they've done, she's done. I mean, Heidi's done quite a few sex scenes with Jamie throughout the series. So why bring in the body double this time? You know what I mean? So I think it, it might be some sort of birthing scene. And and yeah, if they are on the run. Then you know it could be a, a bad birthing. You're right. She so. did do that super uh, beautiful and not uncomfortable in any way sex scene on uh, Joffrey's uh, uh, funeral pyre. So she the, did that one. She did the the one in the pilot. Obviously, she did the one this past season where she went down on Jamie. I mean, so I so as far as bringing in a body double, it just seems like you know they they've obviously established that they don't want to show her naked during a sex scene so why all of a sudden are they going to do that now you bring up you know? a good point sir so i don't i don't know that's that that was kind of my thought was some sort of birthing scene um i'll know. say two things about the first off uh i don't think the necessarily i was talking so much about a sexy as much as a seduction scene ah. or something and then secondly I forgot about the baby thing, A, because uh, they just kind of threw it in there at the end. And B, I think she's lying. So <laughs> that still maintains she's full of crap. So, But that's actually – that would make sense for the being outdoor stuff. Is like her – God, her fleeing and having to give birth to a a baby on the run. And it's, you know, according to the – yeah, and according to the – it would just add to the tragedy of her character. Like it would right. really amplify – that a lot. That would be really sad. We, all, we also we also know Euron's not a good guy, and this is a horrible thing to bring up. But he could decide to to you know if she decides to 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 tell him no again, he could decide to try to take what's what he thinks this is, and that could be a horrible way for that to happen. And it wouldn't be outside the realm of Game of Thrones to do something god awful like that. So or combine them like he. Uh tries to take over. I mean, she thinks he can. she can play him, but he's crazier than she thought, and he takes over the throne, and he casts her out if she goes and has the baby in some snow-covered hovel. Mm. I would like... It all sounds see... really bad for it, Cersei. Yeah, there's not a lot of good... There's not a lot of great outcomes for Cersei Lannister in this whole scenario. Yeah. Um, 
But um, where does that leave Jamie? He last we saw Jamie, he was headed where towards Winterfell, correct? Yep. We don't know for sure, but he was he was leaving King's Landing. We we assume he was going north because he believes in the the threat of the army of the dead. But he didn't say, "Hey, I'm on the I'm on the way to Winterfell." Well, yeah, but he said he made a commitment. He told Cersei that they committed to sending their troops north to fight the White Walkers, and he walked out on her because she reneged on that. So I assume he's going to try to keep it. That's another thing about Cersei. She does have the mountain there to protect her in case anything does go crazy. I'm not sure uh, Euron has got what it takes to get past the mountain. I could be wrong. He is crazy. Well, but uh, You know, the other thing, too, is the, the, the whole tent being outdoor thing really throws me for a loop because I don't see Cersei leaving King's Landing or the Iron Throne under any circumstances. You see her dying on the throne, man. Is what you yeah, say. like I just – I don't see her leaving. I think she worked way too hard for it. She suffered way too much. She feels like it's her right, her destiny, whatever it is, and I just don't see her leaving. So the whole outdoor thing really does kind of throw a whole well, – that could have been – The, uh, the, the only act- reason I could see her leaving is if she thinks the baby, which apparently which is real in the scenario, is in danger. That's the I, only way because she loves her kids a lot. Yeah, but even then, she—I don't know. I, she was, I don't know. I she just, was willing to poison Tommen on the throne. Yeah, I, I just don't <laughs> see her leaving. Shit, they're all gonna die. I think she goes down like the like the Mad King wanted to go down, but I mean, yeah, I just either way, I don't see her leaving. So the yeah, the outdoor thing is kind of is is very odd to me. Again, probably again, just went to the tent to have a smoke and eat go. some of the craft services. There you go. She That's true. Probably, she's probably having a donut and a hot coffee and a smoke. A smoke yeah. and a pancake. A bong and a blitz. A bong and a blitz. Uh, so, that's what's going on. What else is going on at, at King's Landing, Dan, that we haven't talked about? Um, not a lot. I mean, they've been building that thing for five damn months. Uh-huh. It's so big, you guys. It is this, you know, they spent like over a million dollars on it. It's this enormous, magnificent, incredibly detailed set. They built two guard towers, a wall, a breached gate. It's kind of glittering white tower, a street, buildings on either side. It's easily the most complex set they've built. Maybe the most complex set like any TV show has built. Beats the fuck out of Cheers, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and um, apparently they are planning, they've sunk so much money and time into it, they're going to leave the set up. Um, after filming is over, so fans can visit, um, and so they can film other movies there. Like Star I, I, Wars. I had one response today, like Star, Star Wars is coming in there, is, is word. I had a response on Twitter today, someone said, like, so many Cersei fans are going to walk around that set naked after it opens to the public. <laughs> oh my god, I can see that happening too. Um, yeah, I don't know, uh, Cersei, King's Landing, the set is incredibly detailed. Um, we have pictures all over the website, uh, over Winter's Coming, of those towers and the backs of them, uh, the way they've etched out the walls. It's, it's, a, it's amazing what they're really they're going to, the links they're going to this year for that set. Um, we talked about Winterfell burning. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, uh, head over to uh, Winter's Coming 
in the search bar, type in Winterfell. There'll be about 10 articles that come up, and you'll be able to see different videos of uh, nighttime shoots. Uh, some of them, to be fair, some of them do look like the fog in Northern Ireland, but there are clearly there are clearly uh, spots of burning. So you know, I mean. They looked like fog until there was the video of the whole thing on fire. We were right. Like, oh, that was probably on purpose. <laughs> we didn't. Didn't we get? Um, I thought we had news earlier in the year that they planned on burning down Winterfell at some point. Not Winterfell, but uh, King's Landing. So maybe that's a a CGI type uh, inside the studio effect. Am, am I wrong? Oh no! I mean, you know, they they, they set the Winterfell set on fire. It's still there. They, I mean, they, they build these sets so they can do shit to them. We know that so they're they can they're masters of control burn. Look at the loot train attack. That that was control burn. So yeah, we know they can do that kind of stuff. Um, so we we've got things going at Winterfell, King's Landing, and at the quarry that nobody can pronounce. Uh, Dan, what else have we not talked about in our inaugural 2018 podcast? Um. Our deepest thoughts and feelings, favorite colors, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, there's it's 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 exciting because there's a lot going on, a lot of a lot of big stuff going on, and we're just going to keep a watch. And I like that they. I mean, look, I know that people came down in season seven for some um, questionable writing decisions. I still enjoy the season; still a good time. It's good to see that they really are. It looks like they're putting absolutely everything into this final season to make sure. It at least goes out with a uh, looking very, very, very impressive. So I appreciate that, and we're going to keep watching and see what happens. I'm sure there will be plenty of things to report on because they can't hide 18-story uh, green screens. Yeah, not with those massive sets. Um, what? Yeah. Not, I, I, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, I mean, building on Dan's thought, I think it's important to note they haven't started filming on most of these sets yet. It's so, true. you know, right now we're looking at, I mean, the King's Landing set is a, a small city. That green screen is huge. I mean, once they start filming on these sets, it, it's going to be like, you know, all those beach scenes that we got last year um, for season seven where we, you know, they were filming on a beach and we could literally see, you know, Jorah, Jon Snow, the Unsullied Theon, like everybody showing up on the beach and we could guess basically half the plot. So when they start filming on these sets, it's going to be really hard to hide what exactly is going on. So, I mean, we think we have spoilers now, but these sets are going to make it very hard to hide, you know, some of the some of the bigger things that are going on next season. And they they've got everybody's going to be basically in two locations. Uh Winterfell or King's Landing. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but everybody and didn't, and haven't we seen John uh, Kit Harrington at the King's Landing set with Cersei? Or do you, or was that some kind of fake out? As far as I know, no one's actually filmed at the King's Landing set yet, or not that we could see. Not filming, no, they, they but filmed we, in Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik. About that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were in Dubrovnik. So yeah, we saw we, we saw Kit Harrington and Lena Headey uh, in Dubrovnik together, at, and that's part of the King's Landing filming correct yes so that's something else that we didn't talk about cory phone why in the hell would Jon snow go back to king's landing uh is there any reason you can think of 
that he would submit himself to Cersei at King's Landing? Uh, if Winterfell was overrun with White Walkers and they had to make a final stand, and the only way she would agree to do it is if he bent a knee, then I don't know, maybe. his He's already shown that he doesn't hold himself in as high as regard as other rulers, which has made him a better leader of men and maybe not as good of a king when it's all going to be said and done. Right, right. But um, I don't know. If, if, he had to, if they all had to flee to King's Landing and Jamie maybe is trying to convince Cersei to open the gates or something, I, I really don't know. Uh, th- there's that's the thing that I am worried about most with this season is not what's going to happen when all the people get into the same place, but how they're going to get them into the same place. Right. Cause that was the problem with the last season was that all of the coolest scenes in a vacuum were amazing. Like the, the fight on the frozen lake or the scene with the zombie in King's landing, uh, Arya taking out Littlefinger, right? Those scenes on their own, no context, just watch that scene, dope, right? Uh-huh. Then you have to remember how they got there, and it was like, oh, lazy. <laughs> like, it was <laughs> it was not the best. So uh, that's, that's what I'm worried about with this season as well. And then they have longer episodes, so maybe it won't be as big of a problem. But the fact is, is that they're going to have to move this quickly. So... I really don't know. I think speculating about motivation, like whenever you guys, I will never forget last year, this time, I guess last year when you guys were like, hey, there's been a leak and they're going to go up north and wrangle a white with a lasso and drag it back <laughs> south. And, and uh, then they're going to scream yeehaw and uh, the one kid's going to run 80 miles in two minutes and alert the Night's Watch and stuff. I was like, well, that's stupid. They clearly threw you a misdirect, and then it happened, and it was just as dumb <laughs> as <laughs> seeing it happen as it was. But it looked really cool, so I, we we let it slide, you know, because you got that epic Knights King Corey thing at the S there, Knights King John stare down. So that's <laughs> when you ask me like, why would John go to King's Landing? Fuck if I know why. Maybe they don't know why yet. They just know they have to get in there. So. Who knows, man? Uh, it's it's this is tough to speculate. So and that and that that makes me think that if Jon Snow shows up at King's Landing, would the show put him put him there? Like, okay, if Jon Snow is going to King's Landing, and he's going to be there with Cersei, first of all, Cersei, I can't see Cersei relinquishing the King of the North when she has him. I, I can't see that happening. Uh, so. In my mind, if if this is if this plays out the way we've seen uh, these photos pop up randomly, um, the Night King has got to go to Winterfell first and attack Winterfell. That's that's in my mind. I, I could be completely one hundred percent wrong, but I think he probably attacks Winterfell first. The survivors flee to King's Landing where they seek refuge, but Cersei rubs it in their face because she's Cersei, and. Um, John's got to make some kind of concession, like you know, I'll, I'll be the, I'll be your whipping boy or whatever. He'll do something. He'll say something. He'll give up anything to protect his people, those who survive. We haven't even talked about uh, Arya or Sansa or Davos because we haven't seen them yet. We know that uh, Macy Williams, who plays uh, Arya Stark, is doing combat training. We know that 
um, the entire cast knows the ending of Game of Thrones. We also know that uh, Macy Williams gave her mom the season eight scripts. So uh, if if you're out there listening and you know Macy Williams' mom, uh, go ask her. Uh, she might tell you. I don't know. I doubt she will, but it's always worth a shot. Um, so there's a lot going on, and we still have. Let's see. It's it's March now, and if if conservatively we we think it's going to be in April of next year, if we think that April might be the premiere date in 2019, we got we've got a year, we've got a whole year and a, and a little bit to go before season uh, eight. So um, there's going to be lots of podcasts between now and then. We plan on doing two a month from uh, from this side of Take the Black. Dan, you guys will be doing Take the Black Live, what, every – or twice a week or once a week? Every week at Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook go. Live. See you there. There Woo. you go. And then that will be uploaded to Blog Talk, so make sure you check that out. Um, and uh, like I said, we'll be doing two – Two, two a month with uh, Take the Black with uh, House Razor, and obviously we're going, we're going to at some point run out of Game of Thrones topics to talk about. So if there's something you'd like the Take the Black gang to talk about, let us know in the comments or email us. Uh, my, my email address is david.harris at winteriscoming.net. Email me. Let me know if there's a topic you would like us to talk about on the show. Uh, besides Game of Thrones and um, Westworld, West, we definitely are talking about Westworld. I don't care what Corey Smith thinks. Um, so uh, we, we'll definitely be talking about that. So for myself, for Dan, Dan, thanks for joining the show. I know Dan can't make it every every time, but every time he's on the show, it is a delight. So Dan, thanks for joining us. And so for Corey Smith and Corey Thone, thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Vlad Magulis. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.